Hey folks, we have kind of a different show this week. Um, well, not too different. Uh, it's just that we kind of have a family situation here, and I wasn't going to even post a regular episode. But uh, I remembered I had this interview that I did uh, with my friend Bob Gray a couple of weeks ago, and I thought we would just talk for a few minutes about his uh, this book that he wrote based on a screenplay that he had written. And uh, it turned out to be kind of a long conversation, so I figured I'll just play that for you. It's, it's, an, it's very interesting. Uh, my friend Bob, we all go all the way back to high school. Uh, we were on the radio together, and he went off into television, and I went off into radio. And uh, he works for ESPN, directing uh, basketball games and baseball games and such. And he's also directed a film, uh, wrote and directed a film called Bigfoot. He wrote another film called Attack of the Melonheads, based on a local legend around where we grew up. And it got turned into a book. So we talk about that, and it's pretty interesting. Uh, so no dumb bit, no song of the week this week, but uh, an interesting conversation with my friend uh, Bob Gray. And uh, we'll see you next week. It'll sound okay when we record, but it, it, sometimes over Skype it sounds a little weird. Get, but you can hear me okay? Yeah, it just sounds like you're talking through a can that has a sock jammed in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, sometimes over <laughs> Skype it sounds okay, and sometimes it just all depends. But, um... Yeah. So, anyway, um, the last time you were on the show uh, was back all the way back, I think, episode 9, talking about Bigfoot. And now we're yeah. This will be around episode two twenty eight, two thirty. So, uh, so it's been, wow. been quite a while. Yeah. So right after Bigfoot, let's just jump right into this. You, uh, your next project. How immediately was the Melonheads project uh, in your thoughts, or had that always been a thought? And you just made Bigfoot first. How did how did this all come about? Well, honestly, you know, people were talking to me about Melonheads while I was shooting Bigfoot, and. You know, we shot Bigfoot in the town that's, you know, just one city over from what would be known as Melonhead Country. Yes. And so everyone in the region knew about it. And it was weird, you know. I mean, I really got pestered about it. I got pestered a lot about Melonheads. And I pushed it off. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to hear about it. Bigfoot was on my mind at the time. And, and, and it went on for a good two years after that. People were saying, your next thing should be Melonheads. And I really ignored it for the longest time. So growing up, I don't remember when we were like, you know, working at the radio station, I never remembered you having a particular interest in melon heads more so than, you know, people just talking about it. Actually, my brother's generation, who was just like five years ahead of us, they were more into the melon heads, it seems. But then all of a sudden, like I, it, that, it got regenerated somehow. People took an interest in it right around the time we were leaving high school, I think. Is that your recollection? Yeah, you know, I knew about them, but, you know, it was in my mind, more of a joke, you know, that yeah. area in Kirtland where the Springs were, that was just kind of a cool place to go skip out of school and drink beer. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it didn't really do much for me then, but, um, I would say a couple of years after doing Bigfoot and being pestered by just about everyone, I decided, okay, I'm going to really look into it. And I started researching and looking at the history and, and the whole story, uh, a little more closely. And, and then I decided, you know, this is pretty good. This could, could make for a pretty good, uh, screenplay or something. So I started writing it. And wh- how long did you do, did you do the research? I mean, how much did you know? Cause I remember hearing basically the story that you outline uh, in the front of the book, that there was this doctor in Kirtland and he was, uh, researching, uh, what's the name of the, uh, condition? You must have this memorized. Hydrocephalus. There it is. <laughs> Hydrocephalus. Yeah. And uh, and some of them had escaped or they'd killed him. And I think my brother had told me this, obviously. Of course, handed down from, you know, 
older brother to younger. Well, you know what? Honestly, PF, that's more than I knew. All I knew that there were big headed, you know, crazy kids down by that bridge, uh, which they called Crybaby Bridge, that goes over the the, the Kirtland Springs. Um, okay. That's all I knew. I just knew that there were some weirdos, and don't go up there at night. It's pretty scary. Hmm. And uh, I mentioned this to you in our Facebook conversations, but did you also know that this is a, a legend in Connecticut and in Michigan? You know, oddly enough, you, you are correct about that. Uh, Connecticut, Michigan, and also in Japan, oh. as, as I've come to find out. Did not know that. So it, it, it does have a little bit more, not now, where it originated. I would probably say to say it originated in Kirtland. Uh, and maybe got transplanted into a couple of, I, I, I find it very hard to believe that the, the same legend sprung from different minds all around the world. Right. So I think it had to originate somewhere and it migrated to those places. Um, but it's a heck of a story. You yeah. know, I, the more I got into it, the more I realized that, uh, it can be a pretty terrifying screenplay. And that's what I set out to do. So this doctor, that you're, is he a real guy, and then people just speculated he was working on this, or is were we not able to confirm the actual existence of the doctor? Well, there was a Dr. Crow. Okay. And there's a, tomb, there's a tombstone form up there. Now, oh, wow. whether he did what, what I outlined in the story or not, uh, I, I couldn't tell you for sure, but there's enough people that claim that he had. And, and, oh. and, and P.F., you got to remember, this legend goes back all the way to the 1950s. This, this is yeah. not something new that was, you know, just recently generated. It, it's been going on for over 50 years. Yeah. This legend, this story of the, of the Kirtland Melonheads and Dr. Crow. So, you know, to every bit of legend or story, there's, there's a smidgen of truth to everything. And, you know, sometimes it gets embellished or over-glamorized. But I think there is something. I mean, it had to have come from somewhere. Exactly, yeah. I think your your theory about migrating is right. Maybe a cousin, you know, went to Connecticut and told, you know, his family, or and Michigan, of course, is so close to Ohio that people thought, oh, you know, and then how, through a game of telephone, the person misunderstood and thought it took place where they live. And uh, So getting to the screenplay, though, um, you f- write as a screenplay, and then what happens from there? How does it, How do you get from screenplay to it actually becoming a book? Oh, well, you know, it, it, it's weird. You know, so, things like this happen to me, PF, all the time. Stuff that's out of my control that I don't expect. And, and this was another uh, example. So what I had done is I, I'd written a screenplay, and I had found an investor to make the movie. And the investor, you know, crapped out. And we lost the money. And, you know, I was kind of disappointed about it. And I just kind of sat on that screenplay. just kind of languished. And a friend of mine in New York City who is an actor and you know, he was bugging me. Let me see the melon heads. Cause I was going to cast him actually as a melon head. So I sent him the screenplay and he just loved it. He loved the screenplay. Well, it turns out that my friend, not only is an actor, but he's also a published author. So he just, you know, so I, I, I had a high regard for his opinion because you know, he, he, he's a scribe. So a few weeks go by and I get this call from a publisher back East. And I said, Bob, I hope you don't mind your buddy sent us a screenplay. We really love this story. It's a fantastic, wonderful story. We'd like to novelize it and turn it into, you know, a novel. So uh, those guys and I spent about four months taking that screenplay and turning it into what I think is a a pretty, in in general, a pretty well-written book. Um, You know, they added a lot of prose and backstory that, 
you know, quite frankly, PF, I'm not really equipped to do. I'm, I'm not a novelist. I can write a screenplay, sure. but I'm really not a novelist. Yeah. And, and those guys did a really, really good job, I thought. Now, keep in mind, the book and the characters and the action and the dialogue is exactly as it was in the screenplay. The screenplay was about 120 pages long. The book's now, I don't know, like 270 pages. So they've had a lot. Yeah. Um, it's really nice what they did. I mean, they took a, a standard issue screenplay and turned it into a, a very fast and readable novel. Yeah, I would say so. It, um, it, uh, it, the, the, they fill in a lot of the background at first, and then once it takes off, uh, boy, does it take off. You can't put, you can't put that sucker down. Yeah, you know, my, my goal with it is, you know, it started as a screenplay, it's now a book, and I hope it goes back to a screenplay. Exactly. So, what I'm looking for is, is people, I know you have a lot of listeners, yes. everyone to buy this book, whether it's on the Kindle or the paperback, you know, throw a review up and be honest about it. The reviews we've got so far have been spectacular. Um, in, in, in the last, and you've read the book, the last yes. 10 chapters of, of Melon Edge really breezes by. There's a lot of oh, action. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, I, I, I'm very proud of the last 10 chapters of this book. And, you know, I think people are going to like it, and then I'm going to use that data. And as you know, I live in Hollywood, so uh, once I get all that data in place, I'm going to hit the streets, and I'm going to get that money. My plan is to hopefully make it by late summer or early fall, this, this, this next coming late summer. Cool. And didn't you, um, uh, b- b- before this got turned into the, in the book, when you were still shopping, it didn't, wasn't uh, Wes Craven interested in it before he passed? Yeah, you know, I did a show with Wes Craven. And, and <laughs> that's an interesting story. Wes Craven is from the Cleveland area like we are. In fact, he was born in Euclid General Hospital. I was born in Euclid General Hospital. And I uh, had him for a show. He was promoting one of the scary movies that he had directed. And I asked him, I said, you know, there's some rumors that you based The Hills Have Eyes on the Melonheads. And he looked at me and he said, wow, you know, not a lot of people know that. Are you from the area? I said, yeah. So we got to discussing my Melonheads project. He said, you know, Bob, I'd love to read it. And uh, as soon as he said that, I had a, a, a copy of the script messengered over. And his people sent me notes from Wes. And he loved it. He absolutely loved the Melonhead script. And at the time, I think he was just about to start working on Scary Movie 4 or something like that. And he said, if I wasn't so busy with Scary Movie Scary Movie 4, I would have loved to have had a crack at Melonheads. So, yeah, Wes Craven was a big fan of it. And, and you know, what a nice guy to be that entrenched in Hollywood, clearly a busy man, very well respected in the horror genre, to even take a look at it. And that meant a lot to me. I mean, that was really nice. And it, you know, it proved to me that, you know, he's one of us. He's just a regular Cleveland guy that uh, is doing his... You know, Wes yeah. Craven was a heck of a man. He really was. I'm uh, not, of course, a big follower of the horror genre, but one of my editors, um, uh, Garen over at the Pop Culture Beast, huge, huge horror fan, and uh, Wes Craven, I think, one of his heroes, Actually, so yeah, in horror circles, you can't get much bigger than Wes Craven. He was he was remarkable when you look at his body of work between you know the Nightmare on Elm Street, Scary Movie, Hills Have Eyes. I think he did a movie called Shocker or something like that. that once sounds familiar, I actually yeah. like that movie. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. I mean, he did a, he had a great body of work, and you know he was you know like some of these horror directors are kind of creepy guys, you know, um, and just a little bit eccentric. Um, you know, if you look at like Rob Zombie or, uh, you know, just a lot of them are creepy. Even, even, <laughs> even Stephen King has a certain creepiness to him. 
A little odd. West yeah. Craven wasn't like that. I mean, West Craven was the kind of guy that you, you would almost meet at church and go, what a nice guy he was. <laughs> and so who else is attached to this? I know some other people are were interested in it as you were shopping this around. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Martin Mall, who's originally from Cleveland and uh, is a great comedic actor who was a Mrs. Doubtfire and Mr. Mom and Roseanne. Uh, the Roseanne Not, show. He, Roseanne, he's a good yeah. friend of mine. He he read the script, absolutely loved it, immediately signed on to uh, play the role of uh, an older doctor. Um, and then uh, I sent it to Gary Busey's people. Now, why now, Gary, Gary Busey? Busey's people was a... Yeah. Why, was that? why Gary Busey in particular? I'm curious. Did you just feel he was right for the role? Sorry, why Gary Busey in particular? Did you feel he was right for the role, or did you know he was looking for a project? Or No, no what I did is... I thought of Gary Busey to play this character called Chief Dooley. And so I called his agent and I told him what I was doing. And I thought Gary would be great for this, this, this screenplay. And they kind of blew me off PS. This woman, his agent, she just said, yeah. she didn't want to talk to me. She didn't care what I said. She also says, yeah, yeah, whatever. Send me the script. So I was like, oh, all right. So I sent her the script. About two weeks later, I didn't think I'd ever hear from her. Two weeks later, she's like, oh, my God, Gary loves the script. He has to be in Melanie's. He has to be. He loves it. And then I said, well, if he loves it so much, have Gary call me. And sure as heck, he did. And he calls me quite frequently to find out what's the status of the, uh, the screenplay, and he's ready to go. Now, Gary, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of stories about Gary, and I'm sure he carries a little baggage with him. But, yeah. you know, he's distribution gold. Yep. And if you, I mean, you read it. You read the book, and you know the character Chief Dooley. I think Gary Busey would be an awesome Chief Dooley. I, w- I would think so. Yeah, yeah, very definitely. Um, anybody else? Yeah, I can't think. I can't think of anyone else that's that's better for that role. No, in fact, you and I'd heard you tell the story before, um, and so as I was reading the book, I kind of had that pictured in my mind, uh, him being Chief Dooley. I can't figure out who I figured out for the for uh, for the coach. But I had kind of a picture in my mind because you're, you're right. Your co-authors did a very nice job of painting a picture of all the characters, so they're very vividly drawn. And so you could kind of start, you know, yeah. in, in, if, if you're they're, they're the, uh, movie aficionado, you can read this and think, hmm. And hey, that'd be a fun thing to do. Maybe they could tweet at you and suggest <laughs> who should play uh, the the lady doctor and uh, and the coach and the coach's son. So that'd be kind of fun. Well, you know, honestly, P.F. When I wrote the screenplay, I wrote the screenplay for me to play. The uh, the coach Matt Gordon, uh-huh. and if you if you did you see Bigfoot at all? You, you I'm got, sure you saw yeah, people. I read reviews. People said you were the best actor in uh, in Bigfoot. They said and yeah, I won I won be- I won best supporting actor at the, the Long Island oh, that's Independent right. Film yeah, yeah. Festival, and um, you know I've gotten rave reviews, and and I wasn't the lead in Bigfoot. You know I wrote oh. it, directed it, yep. produced it. I didn't think it was cool to star in it no so i took the back seat on that and um but i did i got really splendid reviews for my my uh, role in bigfoot and i when i was writing melon heads i was like you know what i'm sick and yeah i'm just gonna star in this thing myself now having said that yeah you know um the bigger it will get if it does get a lot of interest somebody might want to put a a known actor in there and if that's the case i'll just direct it sure um i shouldn't say just i mean that's kind of a big deal too but well, yeah you know we'll see well but i you know if someone could play mac gordon better than me i'd let him ha- let him have it now while saying that you know just like bigfoot uh melon heads the melon heads are really the star of the show just like bigfoot was the star of the show and i'm under the firm believing belief that you know you can have 
a movie made with lesser known actors if your title character is brilliant. Um, you know, you could you could put some known actors in some of the smaller roles and, and throw an unknown in the lead. Right. But the real lead is the Melonettes. Um, you know, that's what cap- captivates the imagination. Just like, you know, I mean, you you cannot tell me a single actor that was in Creature from the Black Lagoon, but you remember the Creature from the Black Lagoon. That's true. You're exactly right. Or Frankenstein, the original movie Frankenstein. People rave about it, but I can't tell you who starred in that. I don't even know who played Frankenstein. I, I think it was Boris Karloff. I'm not even sure. You're right. You remember the monster, not the actor. Wow. that's that's. Uh... Frank- well, for your information, Frankenstein was Boris Karloff. Okay, I was right. Yay. Okay, I remembered correctly. Okay. <laughs> So my, my trivia power but, uh, you know, so that's me. my opinion on it. I mean, you know, as long as as, as your as your lead character can uh, perform it, and, and and you know, there's some there's some depth to that, Coach Mac. There's sure. some things going on, and uh, and I understand it, you know, because I wrote it. Not to say that another actor wouldn't figure it out. Cause these guys yeah. are pretty smart these days. They can figure out you know everything that's going on. But there's some. There's some, you know, some scenes, especially a couple of very touching scenes with that that football coach in a scary movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's and you know and the love interest and everything like that. There's also some depth to that character uh, as well, uh, without going into too much detail for so so people will read it and find out. But it's a, it's a nice, interesting, and it doesn't seem forced. Uh, it seems very natural, and I think it, that part works really well. You know what, PF? I'm glad you said that because I I went to great lengths to do certain things with the, uh, the screenplay and the book. Now you've seen it a million times where a love interest will get forced down your throat just for the sake of having it. Yep. And you know, you got to have that cute chick that, you know, the lead falls in love with or has a sex scene. But what I did with melon heads, and if you look, go back and look at it again, you probably already know this in melon heads. There's some horror. Mm-hmm. There's love. Yes. There's comedy. There is. And there's action. And, you know, one doesn't overtake the other. It's all blended so smoothly and so nicely and not forced. It's, it's really, you've got all these different genres that are blended so nicely together in the story of the Melonheads. And, and, and people won't get it until they read the book and they'll go, wow, I didn't even notice that. And uh, I'm proud of that because, you know, there was nothing forced. There's no you know, overtly sexy stuff or nudity or anything like that. But right. you know that there's, there's a love interest and there's tension there. There's, there's comedy that's spattered throughout. And, uh, you know, of course, and then there's the melon heads and, and the melon heads are so unique because, you know, part of you wants to keep them, but part of you also understands how they became. It's kind of, it's really like nature versus nurture when it comes down to the melon heads. Yes. That is an underlying theme, I would say. Yeah, and, 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 and by no, I mean, it, it starts off with a true debilitating ailment, hydrocephalus, that, you know, the way it's written, I make sure that we're not making fun of people that have had that condition, right. people in the past that have had it. In fact, the coach goes out of his way to defend people that have disabilities like that. Right. And uh, also, you know, the, it's, it's, it, it, it's the, uh, the, the, well, again, without giving too much away, uh, the the doctor is is kind of more the uh, I guess the, not the fragile character but more the, the volatile character and it's you know it's his issue not the issue of the kids he's apparently trying to help but may or may not be helping uh, in the long run so people just have to read that for themselves to find out more 
Oh yeah, he's t- he's he's totally the genesis of all these problems and all the things that happen. Right. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. um, you know, there's even that doctor. You know, there's part. You know, there's there's parts where you you sympathize with him, but in the end, you're like, oh no, no, this yeah, guy's right, bad. Exactly. <laughs> so I know uh, folks might also be interested to know. We discussed this last time you were on briefly that uh, the your other job is uh, you direct. Um, uh, how do we put this? Um, uh, Sports uh, broadcasts, should we say? Most well, basketball. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, you did some baseball too. Was it last? Yeah, well, yeah, all the sports. Last week, I what did I do last week? I directed the Clippers game in Los Angeles last week, and right now I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, and tomorrow morning I'm jumping in the car, going up to Detroit, and I'm directing the Detroit Pistons Washington Wizards game. And are you working on the Cavaliers game over this week? I thought you'd mentioned that a long time ago. You said you would be in Cleveland. Or is that did I miss? No, no, I'm not doing. I, I, I haven't been booked on any Cleveland games okay. yet, but I, I'm sure they'll call. <laughs> okay, and uh, ESPN, or do you do it for the Fox local stations, or who do you do it for? No, no, the games for NBA. I, I, I work for. I actually work for the NBA and NBA TV, oh, so okay. my, my checks have Jerry West on it. Nice. Um, <laughs> when I do uh, college football and basketball, I've got a mouse on my paycheck. Aha! Uh-huh. Okay. And, uh, there you go. So, you know, whoever I'm working for, I've got a corporate logo. Uh, so, yeah, I work for about 10 networks PF in a, in a variety of positions. You know, I also, as you know, I, I've started doing stand-up comedy. And yes. I, I did five sold-out shows up in Reno. Well, that's right, yeah. Um, when, I'm not do, when I'm not doing that, I'm teaching people how to sail boats. I, I won the championship in Los Angeles a couple of years in a row in yacht racing. Yep, I So, I, yeah. what I try to do... And, uh, you know, just like everybody, you know, for years I was, you know, I'd work in offices or TV studios, same thing every day, you know, in and out. And I've, I've, I've gone to great lengths to make sure that every single day I'm doing something, but it's different. I never get bored. You know, I could be at the comedy store one night. I might be running the camera for ESPN the next day. I might be out in the ocean teaching people how to sail. I might be, you know, going on a radio show to talk about the book. So I try to do as many different things. Um, it's fun. I don't know how. I don't know if it's really helped me, but I'm I'm my, I'm at peace of mind. Yes, I mean, you're doing a lot of cool stuff, though. I mean, all those yeah, fun, it's not like I'm you know, cool. no disrespect. I'm not like making rubber mats in a factory or something like that. Thank God, you know, yeah. God bless people that do that. But you know, that's not my bag. I, I probably would go crazy if I ever had to do that. Yeah, and uh, well, cool, man. I'm glad things are going well for you. We'll get everybody to uh, we'll link to this, of course, from the from the Podbean page and uh, everywhere. Or people can just go to Amazon, or you can just Google. Uh, Bob Gray's Attack of the Melonheads, and that should take you to uh, a place you can buy and or uh, read the book, and then uh, do a review and uh, get some traction on this thing, and we'll uh, cameras hope you start rolling in the summer. Well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate all your help and uh, you know, getting the awareness of it out there. You know, uh, you and I have known each other for a long time, and uh, yes, it's nice to be uh, chatting with you on the air. Yes, yes, sir, as always. And uh, isn't that weird, though? You know, I was going to say, I was before we did this interview, I was thinking... During the week, something I was going to ask you about, and I realized, it's kind of strange how uh, you and, of course, our friend Andy Smoley, uh, kind of, we were all in TV production class together. There was also a radio station at our high school. For people who don't know, it was just around the PA system. It wasn't a broadcast, but it was still a radio station. And uh, it's kind of odd how you guys kind of gravitated toward the TV thing, and I kind of gravitated toward the radio and music thing. And and look where we are today. And I kind of fell in a journal. Well, yeah, you there. know what? I tell you what, that was a great class. Uh, you know, not only you, me, and Andy Smalley, but there's also an artist out of New York, Billy oh, yeah. Miller, the leading right. artist he goes by, 
and he is doing amazing things. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he's got a product line. He's got Vespa scooters with his art on it and watches. With, I didn't even know the kid knew how to draw. Oh, I did. Um, and, and elementary school. He's taking off like crazy. Yeah. Uh, look up Billy the Artist. Uh, you can find him on Facebook, I know, uh, under Billy the Artist. Or uh, just, I think, again, go to your favorite search engine, as they say on the BBC, because they're not allowed, to, not allowed to say Google. Uh, go to your favorite search engine and look up Billy the Artist. Yeah, and you'll find this guy. And what's really weird is I knew him from back in elementary school making comic books, and he inspired me to make my own uh, Mad Magazine-type comic book. And uh, I can, you can tell, even in his art today, I can still see the kernel of the drawings he used to do back in fifth and sixth grade. It's really cool. <laughs> The way he draws the eyes yeah, and stuff, he, he, yeah, it's really amazing how you can kind of see all the way back to that that point. And you know what, Billy, he's twice as nice as he is talented, actually. Oh, yeah. You know, he really makes you feel good about you. He's a lovely guy. And, you know, you know when you reflect back to those days in Menor High School with, with Mr. Kowalki, yes. um, <laughs> you know, he let us do whatever we wanted, as long as he we did. weren't you know, rude or... Right. Yeah, but we got away with a lot of stuff, Pat. I yes. mean, you and I were always doing the radio together. We'd sit there and we'd do sketches together and yeah, comedy yeah. bits. And, yep. You know, you'd do your Im- imitations. And it was, I mean, remember we used to lug out all the gear and I'd do football games or basketball games. Yeah. We'd televise those. Yeah. When you look back at that, without Kowalki and Menor High School Television Production, there'd be nothing. No. No, he did. He gave us a lot of creative freedom. Uh, in terms of, you know, the silly stuff we didn't like, you're right. And, you know, we kind of led the charge to, to broadcast some of the games on the cable system. And he was like, sure. And we, we convinced the other kids to help us out and, you know, run camera and sound. And everybody was on board. It was awesome. In fact, Bill Miller, yeah, uh, actually, he, Billy was, uh, he was my color commentator on the basketball game that you directed. And I did play-by-play on. And, uh, That's wait, right. Yeah, yeah. I might have a videotape of that somewhere, as a matter of fact. <laughs> i got to go look in my... A box of videotapes downstairs. But, uh, well, anyway, Matt, good you, talking to you. you. probably do. I bet, I, I bet you got a lot of stuff, P.S., old bits and old this and old that. I do. I've tried, to, I've tried to downsize, you know, uh, but there's some stuff I can't bear to part with. So uh, if I find a copy <laughs> of that, I can try to throw that onto a, a DVD and send it out to you there in, in, in Hollywood. And uh, I think I'm almost oh, heck, the football game we did together. Uh, yeah, we did you. that. I, I know the games that I put on was uh, I did – a few basketball games. A couple of baseball games. I did. Uh, we did baseball. Yeah, remember that. And and uh, and then we did tennis. I believe too. Uh, I I don't know if I was involved in that one. I might just run camera for that because I didn't know anything about tennis. I think Billy might yeah. have done <laughs> the commentary. I'm almost positive because he was like a tennis guy. So yeah, I think he did it with uh, with somebody else, and I maybe just ran uh, camera. But yeah, good times. Tim Trimmer. I think it was Tim Trimmer and Billy Miller. Were I think you were right. I do. They do recall that. There you go. Wow. And people that <laughs> no one remembers anything about except well, Billy, of course, is a is a huge media star. But uh, uh, and as you are quickly becoming, sir. Well, I appreciate Fingers everything. Yes, you know right, I do. Man. Hey, tell your buddy Marty Mull we want to have him on the show too and talk about uh, Cleveland and the Browns and everything. Oh, that's a piece of cake. I'll that, give him a jingle. That guy's a comedy god to me. So. All right. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, uh, uh, good luck to you. Have fun up there in Detroit and in Cleveland, and uh, talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Pia. Bye. Bye.